What up, everyone? Happy Monday. Welcome to Spears and Ali on ESPN Tucson, 1490 AM, 94.9 HD, Channel 4, ESPNTucson.com, the ESPN Tucson mobile app, and the Spears and Ali podcast. Appreciate you guys for tuning in on this beautiful Monday. If you want to call in, the phone number is 719-1490. Of course, we're going to be talking a lot of Arizona basketball, both men and women. Man, it was a great weekend for both basketball programs. Um, here this past weekend. If you want to call in and talk about it, 719-1490 is that phone number, 719-1490. But, yeah, we're going to be talking about both teams, great weekends for both the Arizona men and women's basketball teams. And, if, like I said, if you want to call in, that phone number is right there, 719-1490. Our phone lines are open, plus we got great guests uh, coming in, uh, not in studio, but over the phone lines. We have Brendan Deeg, uh, football editor from The Score. He's going to be talking about this week's Super Bowl as the Super Bowl 57 gets ready in Glendale. This week is going to be very busy in Phoenix. <laughs> and I remember uh, talking to Arizona offensive coordinator Brennan Carroll this past weekend at the National Signing Day event that Arizona hosted at the uh, practice center. And I asked uh, Brennan, I'm like, hey, are you going up to the Super Bowl? And he was like, uh, no. And I was like, oh, there's also a golf tournament going up there, too. The the Wasted Management Phoenix Open is up there, too. And he's like, uh, no, I got 10 toes down in Tucson. And I felt that very much because while it's very exciting to be in Phoenix, uh, for, for people who like to avoid the chaos, I'm very much looking forward to spending my whole week in Tucson. But, man, the festivities in Phoenix, it's happening. It's going to be a week-long party up there. And uh, we'll be counting down the days of the Super Bowl, getting y'all ready for the big game on Sunday. And uh, we'll preview that matchup with Brenda Deke. He's, by the way, a diehard Philadelphia Eagles fan, or at least just from monitoring his Twitter account, he tweets a lot about the Eagles. And, you know, they have an incredible story. Howie Roseman, their general manager, was Jed Fish's college roommate at the University of Florida. And ever since he's become the general manager of the Philadelphia Eagles, man, they've had a lot of success. In 2017, they won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles, former Arizona Wildcat, as their uh, quarterback. First ever Arizona player to be named Super Bowl MVP. But he led them to a Super Bowl. And now, many years later, you got the Philadelphia Eagles. Five years later, to be exact. You got the Philadelphia Eagles back in the Super Bowl uh, looking to get their second Super Bowl in five seasons, which is truly remarkable. And they got a lot of new faces, right? Jalen Hurts is now their quarterback. Um, they got um, a lot of other notable playmakers. A.J. Brown, obviously, the defense has gotten better. So uh, we'll preview the Eagles plus the Chiefs. We'll also ask, Brendan, is Jason Kelsey a Hall of Famer? So we'll talk all things Super Bowl with Brendan Deeg. And then in the 4 o'clock hour, Jason Shear from Wildcat Authority will call in to talk about Arizona basketball and also some Arizona football because they made a coaching hire today. And then at 440, Gerald Bourget from PHNX will tune in to uh, talk about the Phoenix Suns and also provide his thoughts on the Kyrie Irving trade. And then at 525, Jabari Davis from iHeartMedia. We'll talk about the NBA and the latest there. And then uh, let's see what else do we got here on the docket today. Uh, John Morant in quite an interesting situation that uh, not really a good look for him or the Memphis Grizzlies. And then plus we'll uh, give our outlook on the Western Conference following the Kyrie Irving trade to the Dallas Mavericks. And as always, Spears and Ali on ESPN Tucson is presented by Casino Del Sol, the soul of Tucson, Tucson Federal Credit Union, and the Volpe team at Nova Home Loans. Again, 719-1490 is that phone number. Let's get right to it. Top three headlines heading into today. One. One. Our top headline for today, the 
Arizona men's basketball team getting a big win over Oregon State, 84-52. to Nice little 32-point win for the Arizona Wildcats on Saturday, and it wasn't even close. Arizona didn't even trail at any points in this game. They led for 38 minutes and 27 seconds. They shot 47% from the field and 40% from three-point range. Uh, a number of Wildcats uh, played or scored double figures. Uh, Zulus Tubelis, after dropping 40 points against the Oregon Ducks, he had 19 points and eight rebounds. Courtney Ramey scored 11 points, had six rebounds and three assists. And Pella Larson, in his sixth-man role, Dropped 10 points, 3 rebounds, and 3 assists. So a few Wildcats scored in double figures. But the, my biggest takeaway from this past weekend was how cool it was to see Arizona finally be able to go deep in their bench. Uh, you know, Arizona has tightened up the bench under Tommy Lloyd this season. He went from about 8 or 9 guys to 7, to just Kylan Boswell and Pella Larson coming off the bench. So those guys have really or excuse me, Arizona's roster has really tightened up and they've only been ro really rolling with seven guys over the last month or so. But against Oregon State, I mean, they were up by damn near 30 points at the end of the first half. And that's when Tommy Lloyd decided, OK, let's get Philip Borovicinin in the uh, six, seven wing or six, six wing from Serbia, who I didn't really have any expectations going into this season, but we haven't really seen him since non-conference play when Arizona was smoking a lot of teams. And then you also saw Henry Vasar get into the game. And then Adama Ball got in, but he didn't get in until late. And I'll never forget, you know, looking at the, the, the lineup that was in the game at the end of the first half for Arizona. And I was like, hmm, I noticed that Adama Ball is not getting a lot of run. I wonder why that is. And he, I was thinking maybe Adama Ball's time is up at the University of Arizona. Maybe that Tommy Lloyd is just, you know what, we're going to put him on ice for the rest of the season. He's going to enter the transfer portal, kind of like Shane Noel last year, the, the freshman from Washington, uh, who's now at UNLV. But I was thinking, man, maybe Adama Ball's career is up at Arizona. And then with 12.44 left in the game, Adama Ball checks in, scores eight points, two rebounds, had a couple of steals and assists, and didn't have any turnovers in 10 minutes and kind of looked like the player that we all thought he was going to be at the University of Arizona in year two, but obviously didn't live up to those expectations. Tommy Lloyd felt like he wasn't ready enough and didn't put him on or didn't put him in the game after really the the Maui Invitational. I noticed like as soon as that Invitational, that tournament, was over with, Adama Ball's minutes just shrunk, and he was playing eight minutes, and then it went to six, and then it went to four, then three, and then eventually he just wasn't playing, and Tommy Lloyd was just rolling with seven guys. But getting those guys' experience is very critical because, you know what, there might be a, a point in time, whether it's in the Pac-12 tournament or the NCAA tournament, where unfortunately, you're going to have an injury or guys are going to get into foul trouble and you're going to have to tap into the bench a little bit. We saw that in the Pac-12 championship against UCLA last year when Kirk Carissa was dealing with that ankle injury and then uh, he got into uh, foul trouble. Uh, or No, excuse me, he was dealing with the ankle injury. Justin Kyer was dealing with foul trouble and Arizona really didn't have anybody to turn to. So they put Dalen Terry at point guard and they also put in Adama Ball and Adama Ball came in made two big three-pointers, and Arizona was able to overcome a 14-point deficit and beat UCLA in the Pac-12 Tournament Championship. So 
it really pays dividends to have guys on the bench that you can, you know, trust in certain situations in case you're, you know, put into a bind. Uh, I thought that that was really cool to see Arizona completely unload their bench against the Oregon State Beavers and, and get those guys some run. Um, but when it's all said and done, Arizona right now is just playing great basketball. Uh, they smothered Oregon. They smothered Oregon State. They won in grinded out fashion against USC or excuse me UCLA, a, a top five team at that time. Arizona, they're just playing really good basketball right now, and it all goes back to that lineup change that Tommy Lloyd made, putting Pella Larson as the sixth man and putting in Cedric Henderson. Ever since that line of change, Arizona has not lost a game. They are 6-0, and including three straight sweeps. Uh, so Arizona's playing some really good basketball ever since that line of change. And also, Azulis Tabellis is playing just great basketball. You know, you'd be hard-pressed to find another player not named Zach Eady that's playing better basketball than Azulis Tabellis right now. Um, every, really, ever since um, the, the, the turn of the calendar year, Azulis Tubelis has been arguably the best player in college basketball, and that's not hyperbolic. Like, th- he is the real deal. And ever since, ever since the turn of the calendar year, Azulis Tubelis has just been getting double doubles after double doubles, and he's been averaging 21.7 points and 10.6 rebounds. And he's got seven double doubles in the last 10 games. And we saw what he did this past weekend. He became the first Wildcat since Damon Stoudemire to score 40 points in a game. That was in 1995. Um, He almost set the McHale Center record by a Wildcat, which which is Al Fleming, who was inducted into the Ring of Honor on Thursday. All he needed was two more points, and Azulis Tabellas had the record. And he didn't really score in the last five or six minutes of that game. So when when you think about it, Azulis Tabellas easily, at the pace that he was scoring at, he could have got 50 points. He could have got a 50-burger against Oregon on Thursday, but he didn't. He got 40, but still, 40 points by Azulis Tabellas. That seemed very unfathomable had you looked at the way he played in the NCAA tournament against Houston. He's been a completely different player ever since that moment. And I remember talking to him at the start of the season that he really took that game against Houston personally. And going into this offseason, he worked his butt off in the gym, got better and better and better, rehabbed that injury that kept him out from the FIBA World Cup qualifier, and he just got better this season in Tucson. And now we're starting to see Azulis Tubelis emerge as kind of that alpha dog for Arizona. At the start of the season, it was Azulis Tubelis and Umar Balo. Umar Balo got Maui Invitational MVP, and those two guys look like a really good tandem, and they still are because Umar Balo is still one of the best players in the Pac-12. But lately, Azulis Tubelis has really emerged as that dude, and Arizona is going to need that dude to emerge in the Pac-12 tournament and obviously the NCAA tournament, similarly to what Benedict Matherin did. But what Azulis Tubelis is doing uh, over the last few weeks, it's tremendous. And again, he is Pac-12 Player of the Year and arguably National Player of the Year. And Tommy Lloyd, I agree with him because you know he said that you know he's not getting a lot of respect nationally, and I totally agree with him because I tuned in to College Game Day, one of my favorite morning traditions on a Saturday morning, whether it's college football or college basketball. I tuned in to College Game Day this past weekend, and not a single mention of Azulis Tubelis' 40-point game. 
And this is why Arizona fans, this is why I understand why Arizona fans are feel so disrespected by ESPN and the national media. I get it. I understand it. I've finally seen it from in front of my in, in my own eyes. I've seen it. This past weekend, no mention of Azulus Tubelis' 40-point game on College Game Day. It's one of the best performances of the college basketball season, and yet they didn't even mention it. So I think Azulus Tubelis needs more respect. And, you know, I, I agree with Tommy Lloyd. I, people have these narratives made up in their mind about certain players, and Zach Eady is a great player. But people didn't have Azulus Tubelis on their radar at the start of the year. And he's now showing everyone he is that dude, in fact. Uh, but that's not the only good thing that happened this past weekend for uh, Arizona ba- uh, basketball. The Arizona women's basketball team, they swept the L.A. schools for the first time since 2001. The way they ended that game against UCLA on Friday, they scored. Ele- they went on an 11-0 run to put the game into overtime. They shot 10 for 10 from the free throw line down the stretch, and they ended up beating UCLA. Number ranked number 14 in the country. It was such a great win for Arizona. And then, okay, let's see how you finish off the weekend. The Arizona women's basketball team then goes to USC. And while the Trojans had them on the ropes, Kate Reese scores 33 points, and the Wildcats end up beating the Trojans in double overtime. Kate Reese, Shayna Pellington, those two players really stepped up big time for the Arizona Wildcats in L.A. this weekend. Now, they needed these two wins because guess what? They got Stanford coming into town this week, and that game's on national TV. Stanford's a really good team. Arizona's a really good team. But Arizona needed to feel pretty good about themselves going into this game against the Cardinal at McHale Center. All right, we'll talk more Arizona basketball at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Let's go to headline number two. Two. Um, Arizona men's basketball, or excuse me, Arizona football, making a uh, coaching hire today. Uh, the Wildcats have hired John Richardson as their next cornerbacks coach, replacing Dwayne Walker, according to Football Scoop. Uh, the, I'm assuming Arizona is going going to officially announce it uh, here later on today or at some point tomorrow. But yes. Uh, Arizona has their next cornerbacks coach, according to Football Scoop, and it's John Richardson, a former defensive backs coach at Washington State. He was uh, Nick Rolovich's cornerbacks coach, last coached for the Cougars in uh, uh, 2020 during that the COVID-19 influenced season. And John Richardson has lots of years of coaching college football. Most of them have been under Craig Bowl. So he played at North Dakota State, was a, a star cornerback there, then became a coach, was Craig Bowles' cornerbacks coach at North Dakota State, and they won three consecutive FCS national championships. Remember that whole narrative about the Bison being the Alabama of FCS? Well, yeah, John Richardson was a part of that. They won three straight national championships at the FCS level with John Richardson as their defensive backs coach, and uh, he coached a lot of talented players. And then he followed Craig Bowl over to the University of Wyoming and coached there for a few seasons and then went up to Washington State. Uh, but he's got experience. I mean, he coached at Washington State, so he's coached against the Arizona Wildcats. But uh, when he was at Wyoming, the Cowboys won the 2019 Arizona Bowl. So John Richardson knows how to win some games at the University of Arizona. And I think this is a, a really good hire for the Wildcats. He's got West Coast ties. He is 
really young. I mean, he played college ball in 2007, 2008, so he's a pretty young dude. He's originally from Compton, California, played at the junior college level, and has been coaching a little over a dozen years now. So I think that this is a really good hire for Jed Fish and his uh, coaching staff. It's really tough to replace a guy like Dwayne Walker because he has NFL coaching experience and has has done this for a long time. But John Richardson is a budding star, and uh, he'll be joining Arizona staff as the next cornerbacks coach. And when you also have Dwayne Aquina, the former cornerbacks coach at Stanford, as your senior defensive analyst who's going to have a more hands-on role, um, Arizona, they did a, they hit a home run in terms of coaching hires this offseason. All right, let's go to headline number three. 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 Kyrie Irving traded to the Dallas Mavericks. It, <laughs> I said that the Mavericks and the Miami Heat are probably teams that are in the running to land Kyrie Irving just because they have assets. And I know that the Lakers were in the mix, and I think that was a team that Kyrie Irving wanted to go to. But in terms of assets that – the Nets could get in return what the Dallas Mavericks offered. I mean, shoot, Spencer Dinwiddie, who's having a pretty solid season, he's going back to Brooklyn. He got his, I mean, he really made his NBA career as a member of the Brooklyn Nets. Now he's going back there. Dorian Finney-Smith and multiple first-round picks. This could really end well for the Brooklyn Nets because of the assets they got in return. For the Dallas Mavericks, high risk, high reward. You got two dominant ball handlers and two stars in Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving, but can you trust Kyrie Irving? Because think about his previous two stops. Had the Boston Celtics and the Brooklyn Nets, do you think that they regret letting go of Kyrie Irving? I really don't think so. I mean, the Cleveland Cavaliers have been able to get back on their feet ever since Kyrie Irving left. I mean, I know LeBron James left, and they got some draft picks, and they were able to get some pretty good players, but the Cavs have gotten better. The Celtics have gotten better, and I think the Nets are going to get better without Kyrie Irving. Uh, but with that being said, I think Kyrie Irving's a good player. He's shown it this year. He's an all-star starter. But again, you can't really trust the dude. Uh, now, with that being said, I know the Phoenix Suns were interested in possibly acquiring Kyrie Irving. Uh, now, what's next for the Phoenix Suns? Well, according to Chris Haynes from Yahoo, the Phoenix Suns are once again interested in Kevin Durant. Is this... uh? Is this July 2022 or is, oh, no. No, it's February 2023. It's crazy how things all <laughs> come full circle. All right, we'll talk about the NBA and all the latest drama there later on this hour. But coming up next, Brendan Deeg, football editor from The Score, is going to talk about this week's Super Bowl. Stay tuned. More Spears and Ali coming up next. Tucson, 1490 AM, 94.9 HD Channel 4, and the Spears and Ali podcast. Super Bowl 57 is this weekend. We got the Philadelphia Eagles taking on the Kansas City Chiefs here to talk about that is uh, Brendan Deeg, football editor from The Score. Um, looks like we're still uh, working on getting him on the show here, so uh, we'll see what, what's going on there. But I'm excited about this weekend's game. And I actually saw somewhere, um, I think it was Field Yates um, who posted this on, on Twitter. The Philadelphia Eagles and um, the Kansas City Chiefs, they got an interesting – resume up until this point so the the Chiefs this year are 16 and 3 overall they've scored 546 points they have six all pros including a Kelsey brother in their quarterback they're also the AFC's number one seed and then you look over at the Philadelphia Eagles they're 16 and 3 546 points scored 
six All-Pros, including a Kelsey brother and their quarterback, and they're the NFC's number one seed. They have parallel records, resumes up until this point, and it's amazing that they're meeting in the Super Bowl. Here to talk about all of it is Brendan Deeg from The Score. Brendan, good to hear from you. How's it going, my man? Hey, guys. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. No, thank you. Are you uh, making the trip out to Arizona for the Super Bowl? I am not, unfortunately. I will be stuck in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, watching it. I am, uh, I'm on the news desk for a couple of days before, so news editors, unfortunately, don't get to go to Arizona. Oh, that's a bummer, man. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I, as much as I love the Super Bowl, I love to watch it from the comfort of my own home, and I, I love that you also get to do that as well. But I know as you, uh, as a, a very big follower of the Philadelphia Eagles, you're going to be dialed in all week long leading up to the Super Bowl. Just overall, how do you feel about this game with these two teams? I mean, I just showed or I explained their resume right now, and they're both very parallel teams right now, and it's pretty cool that they're meeting up in the Super Bowl. What do you make of this matchup? I think I think if I know there's been a lot of uh, memes and jokes about the the NFL script for say I don't know if you've seen some of these jokes. Oh, I think yeah. if you were to draw up a script for the best two teams in the NFL to meet, I think they nailed it. If that's what it was, um, I think get the best team in the NFC in the Philadelphia Eagles. Been a lot of talk about having an easy schedule and, and not playing good teams. Well, the Eagles did have the easiest schedule according to Football Outsiders. But they went 7-1 against playoff teams, outscoring those teams by a combined of 115 points. So they just steamrolled everybody on the way to the NFC. And I don't think there's an argument that they were the best team in the NFC. And on the other side of things, I, I thought the Chiefs were the best team in the NFL the entire year. And they were definitely the best team in the NFC. You have Patrick Mahomes, who's the best quarterback, who's just on a different level than everyone else. So just overall, I think this is the best two teams playing in the biggest game in the NFL. I know it's kind of a cliche thing to say, but I think it's true in this game. So I was thinking about this uh, driving over today, and we all know that Travis Kelsey, I mean, he's going to go down as one of the greatest tight ends of all time. And when it's all said and done, he might be the greatest tight end of all time uh, when that day comes. But I was thinking about his brother, Jason Kelsey. You know, he's been an all-pro, been a pro bowler. He's already won a, a previous Super Bowl in 2017. If he wins another one, man, don't you feel like Jason Kelsey is a Hall of Famer? What's your stance on that? Oh, man, first ballot. He's the first ballot Hall of Famer. Okay. Like it, 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 one sheet, five years after Jason Kelsey retires, he will be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Five-time first-team All-Pro. He's made six Pro Bowls. Like usually, the Hall of Fame committee likes to look at All-Pro, like first-team All-Pro selections. Yeah. Usually, you got to have at least two or three to kind of get in that conversation. He has five. Jason Kelsey has been the best center of his generation over the last twelve years. He's just an absolute just rock. He always starts. He's always on the field. I think he's missed like three games in his entire career due injury. Like he is just been, he's been the best setter in the league last Absolutely. 12 years. And usually pro football hall of fame looks at, are you the best player at your position over a long period of time? There's no doubt about it that Jason Kelsey is the first foul hall of famer. Absolutely. It's going to be really interesting to see how this kind of plays out with him after the season, because the Eagles drafted Cam Jurgens in the second round with the 51st overall pick last year, kind of, labeled as the Jason Kelsey replacement. And they actually asked Jason Kelsey to help them scout Cam Jerkins. And Kelsey actually admitted that on a podcast right during the draft. So Jason Kelsey's playing at the highest level of his career, arguably. Like he's another first team all pro at the age of 35. So it's kind of like an underrated storyline after this game is how, how the Eagles are going to deal with Jason Kelsey. If he wants to come back, I, I think you have to bring him back. Like if he's willing to come back, you've got to bring him back on a, on a one-year deal. He signed a one-year $14 million deal, $14 million deal, sorry, after last year. 
So I think that would be kind of similar in that in that price range. Um, and then you kind of move Cam Jurgens over to right guard me because Isaac Sayamalu is going to be a free agent. He's probably not back with the team. So, um, yeah, Jason Kelsey's first style Hall of Famer. They're not here without him. Like, he is the leader of that offense. He's The development that Jalen Hurts has had, I think Jason Kelsey deserves a lot of credit to that as well. Just having a center with just that knowledge of, of, of opposing defenses goes a long way for quarterbacks. So, Jason Kelsey's awesome, man. He's one of my favorite Eagles of all time. Absolutely. I, I love Jason Kelsey. I mean, obviously, they have a great podcast. But, I mean, Jason Kelsey is just – he's been the man. Uh, and I agree with you. Yeah. When you talk about the best centers over the last you know couple generations, you got to put them you know, up there near the top. And I, I think it's amazing just how the Philadelphia Eagles have gotten to this point once again. I mean, five years ago, Nick Foles leads them to a Super Bowl. And you you, know, you yeah. think, man, are they eventually gonna, ever going to get back to this point? And will they do it with Carson Wentz? Obviously, that failed. They get this Jalen Hurts guy out of out of uh, out of Oklahoma, I should say, and then he then becomes the franchise quarterback. And here we are talking about the Eagles back in the Super Bowl. They also added some other pieces, but Howie Roseman as their general manager is obviously the man orchestrating all this. How would you assess just the administration or how Howie Roseman has really d- done a great job over the last few years as general manager of the Eagles? I think the Eagles are like the perfect example of like having just a stable front office and a stable ownership can go such a long way yeah. in the NFL. Like you just take a look at some bad teams in the NFL, like look at Washington, right? Like Dan Snyder running that organization. Um, if you have bad ownership and bad front office, your team's just not going to be good. And I think the Eagles are kind of the epitome of having good ownership. Jeffrey Lurie has been absolutely outstanding since he bought the team. They have been the most NFC championships in the 2000s. He's been awesome. Howie Roseman has just done, like I put this out on Twitter last week. Like you can make the argument that Howie Roseman has the best off season out of any general manager in NFL history. Like if you just look at the additions that they made and the timing and how it all kind of worked out. Like think about this, like they didn't sign James Bradbury until June. So that after the draft, they went into, they went into kind of the OTAs, that part of the off season without having a starting cornerback. Zach McPherson, who probably a lot of people don't even know his name, would have been the starting cornerback if James Bradbury didn't sign with the Eagles. So, like, Howie Rosen was so good at, like, playing the long game, waiting for teams to get desperate, and capitalizing on teams getting desperate. And there's two examples of that. James Bradbury, of course, is signing. The Giants were desperate. They need to clear cap space. You pounce on that. Look at the New Orleans Saints. Like, the Saints were a desperate organization. They kept trying to buy five years kept keep playing the salary cap game and they're going to try to keep continuing to make the playoffs. They traded up into the first round to grab um, Crystal Lave and Trevor Penning. And then they traded the Eagles, a first round pick in this year. The Eagles are going to be in the Super Bowl with a top 10 draft pick in this upcoming draft. Like it's insane to say that. And they got the Saints again in August, two weeks before the season, they traded a fifth round pick and a sixth round pick for CJ Gardner Johnson. CJ Gardner Johnson is one of the best safeties in the NFL. And what's really funny, that fifth-round pick, that, or sorry, that sixth-round pick that they sent to the Saints, the Eagles traded J.J. Ortega-Whiteside for Ugo Amadi. Both J.J. Ortega-Whiteside was one of the biggest NFL draft busts over the last couple of years because D.K. Metcalf went right after him. Ugo Amadi is a guy you've never even heard of. The Eagles take that draft pick, flip it to the Saints, and get C.J. Garner-Johnson. Like, just some, like, if you just kind of follow the moves that Howie Roseman has made over the last, like, over the last uh, 365 days, it's, it's been spectacular. He's done such a good job. He's put the money where it needs to be, like signing A.J. Brown to that deal at $25 million over four years. Looks like a great contract, trading a first-round pick. That first-round pick then would be Traylon Burks. If Traylon Burks' best 
possible kind of outcome is to be A.J. Brown. And they already had A.J. Brown in the building. They flipped him for him. So, um, like, Kyrie Roseman just it, – it's insane to kind of see the trajectory of his kind of – his career in Philadelphia because I'm pretty tied in the Eagles fandom. They wanted him fired after the 2020 season. Wow. Like, he, he was he was kind of uh, – the Eagles, they wanted to head on the spike in Philly because the 2020 season was an absolute disaster to turn around from the 2020 on two years to, to make the playoffs and then go to the Super Bowl the next year. It's, um, he deserves all the credit in the world. Absolutely. Brendan Deeg from The Score joining Spears and Ali on ESPN Tucson. So, Brendan, give us a prediction. What do you think is going to go down in Super Bowl 57? Who wins? Oh, man. Um, so, I, I'm, I have a hard time believing this game isn't going to be close. Um, I, I believe that this game is going to be within three points. The spread is currently one and a half. So just to kind of put that in perspective, like these again, this is as close as it's going to get. Sports books, you never really see one and a half point spreads in the Super Bowl. Like it just, it just, it just never happens. Um, in 595 career games, um, or I believe 595 career games that Patrick Mahomes, or sorry, 595 quarterback games this season, Patrick Mahomes has only played one below average game if you average out all 595 of those quarterback starts. Patrick Mahomes never plays below average. He's going to play well. So basically the Eagles kind of just have to just avoid Patrick Mahomes being great. And the only way in my opinion to do that is to get after him kind of on both edges, right? Because he's so good at escaping the pressure. Let's say his son Reddick gets uh, on one outside, then he can roll that. Uh, he can roll the other way and find Travis Kelsey down the field for 15 yards or find Marcus Valdez-Scantling for, uh, for 25 yards, right? Like they're going to have to get pressure from both sides. And I do think the Eagles can do that. I do think Josh Sweat is a guy to really watch out for in this game against Orlando Brown Jr. Orlando Brown Jr. is not really – he's not really the kind of the quickest guy in the world. So I do think that Josh Sweat's kind of – is his get-off is one of the best get-offs in the NFL. He's an under kind of the radar guy right now. He had 11 half sacks this season. So I think Josh Sweat is going to have a big sack on a fourth-quarter drive with a minute 30 left that's going to ice the game. The Philadelphia Eagles win 31-28. Jalen Hurts is hosting the Super Bowl trophy at 24 years old, and Brendan Deague is a happy man. Wow. Are they building Jalen a statue in Philadelphia at that point? I mean, they, they gave Doug Peterson. <laughs> Put it right beside the Doug Peterson and Nick Foles statue, yeah. 100%. It's like, it's insane to just kind of think, like, just me even saying that, it's crazy to think about, like, after five years, that Nick Foles and Doug Peterson went to the Super Bowl, and then Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts went to the Super Bowl at the same organization five years later. Like, it's just it's bizarre <laughs> to think about. It, it's, the Eagles organization has been like a movie the last five years. Absolutely. All right, Brendan, before we let you go, I saw that Aaron Rodgers was playing golf at Pebble Beach, and apparently a lot of football fans out there are saying, hey, Devontae Adams misses you. Why yep. don't you come be the quarterback of the Las Vegas Raiders? So uh, is Aaron Rodgers going to the Raiders? When is that press release happening? Yeah, I actually wrote about the score, so you can check it out. I, I kind of uh, compiled a bunch of videos of uh, fans acting on Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers didn't seem too displeased with these fans. He was kind of loving it. He was soaking it all in. Um, I am starting. I think. I think it's happening, guys. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty convinced <laughs> that Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Las Vegas Raider. The one part about it that does kind of push against it is: are the are the Packers really going to trade their best wide receiver and? maybe of all time and their best quarterback of all time to the same team in back-to-back years. It kind of seems weird, right? Like the Raiders just buying the Packers offense over a two-year period. I, I don't know if that's ever been happening in the NFL. Like it's very unprecedented. So that kind of thing pushes me away, but it kind of all makes sense, right? Like the Packers are going to have to start over. They're going to have, they're not going to have to start over, but they're going to probably want to start over with Jordan Love, right? They invested a first round pick in this guy. So 
Um, I don't know. Something's got to give here. Like I, I just have a really hard time believing that Aaron Rodgers is going to, they're going to go back to Rodgers, have, Ju- have Jordan Love sit on his fourth straight season after trading up in the first round to get him. I don't know. Uh, it, the, the, all the stars are aligned for him to be a Las Vegas Raider, but I wouldn't rule out the New York Jets as well. Brenda Deeg, NFL editor from The Score, joining Spears and Ali on ESPN Tucson. Check out his work at on Twitter, at Brenda Deeg underscore, and also check out his podcast, the Double Doink Podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. I believe, uh, Brendan, did you just interview uh, Eagles legend Brian Dawkins? I, I did last summer, no, so I, I pinned that up just from the Eagles okay. run. I did interview him last summer, but uh, I have a ton of great interviews coming up this week, some really cool guests. Um, so yeah, thanks for thanks for the shout out. Make sure to subscribe. But um, yeah, if you want to go check out that interview with Brian Dawkins, of course you can check out my Twitter. But it's not recent. Absolutely, Brendan. Appreciate you as always, and uh, we'll see if the Eagles are flying this Sunday in Super Bowl Fifty Seven, my friend. Appreciate you guys. Have a good one. Thank you. ESPN Tucson is giving you half price Friday deals. Go to ESPNTucson.com and click the half price Friday deals link to purchase a hundred dollars in Bookstore Southwest Adult Shop gift certificates for just fifty bucks. It's located at fifty seven fifty four East Speedway. East of Craycroft, if you want all the details on this Half Price Friday link, go to ESPNTucson.com. All right, don't go anywhere. More Spears and Ali coming up next. All right, we are back here on this beautiful Monday afternoon on Spears and Ali. Again, if you want to call in, 719-1490 is that phone number, 719-1490. We will talk about Arizona basketball and their big weekend this past weekend against the Oregon schools, plus the women's team getting it done against the L.A. schools on the road, and they come back to McHale Center. Uh, we'll hear from Jason Shear coming up at 425, and then uh, Gerald Bourget to talk Phoenix Suns at 440. Uh, speaking of those Phoenix Suns, they were one of a handful of teams that entered the Kyrie Irving sweepstakes this past week. And I know there's a bunch of people out there, maybe Andrew all the way from Disneyland, because uh, let's get – uh, let's show everyone behind the curtain here. So Ali Farhang is not here today. He's got Bruce Wayne of Tucson business to handle. And then Andrew decided, I need to go to, I need to go see Mickey Mouse. So he's at Disneyland right now. And I'm wondering if, um, if Andrew's listening to the stream right now and he's rolling his eyes because we're talking about Kyrie Irving. And I know that it's a, it's a subject that people are like, oh my God, I'm so tired of him. I get it. I understand why people are so tired of Kyrie Irving. I get it. But when you think about the type of player that Kyrie Irving is, very polarizing, very talented when he's healthy and he applies himself to the game. That's the thing about Kyrie Irving, man, is that he is so good when he really wants to be. And I think Kyrie Irving now has another opportunity to prove himself that he is still um, a great player in this league. I mean, he's an all-star starter this year. Not sure how he's going to represent the Brooklyn Nets after getting traded to the Dallas Mavericks. I'm not sure how the all-star situation is going to work out. I'm assuming maybe he just sits this one out, gets the all-star nod, and doesn't participate in the all-star game. I don't know what Kyrie Irving is doing, but... Kyrie Irving is an all-star starter for the Eastern Conference, and deservedly so. He's putting up pretty good numbers this year. He is putting up insane numbers. Um, And he's pretty much been carrying the Brooklyn Nets with Kevin Durant dealing with injury. 
So we can admit that, right? Kyrie Irving is putting up good numbers this year. But one thing that we can also admit is that Kyrie Irving comes with baggage. He comes with a lot of baggage. We've seen that uh, after uh, he was traded to the Boston Celtics. And then when he was, you know, when he signed with the Brooklyn Nets, all of a sudden he's injured and then he's sitting out games and then he doesn't want to get the vaccine. And regardless of what your stance is on the vaccine, Kyrie Irving hurt his team. He's getting paid millions and millions and millions of dollars. And rather than uh, complying, he decided, I'm just going to sit this one out and so be it, okay? Again, we're not going to get into the whole vaccine discussion or, or not. People have their own stance on that, and that's fine with them. Uh, but Kyrie Irving cost his business money and wins. And Kyrie Irving didn't want to, like I said, follow the orders in which he was given. And then all of a sudden, he's posting anti-Semitic stuff on his social media accounts. And it's not, you know, he's not coming out and saying the anti-Semitic things. He posted a link to a documentary and put it on a social media platforms. And then when people were calling him out for it, he's like, oh, I'm not promoting it. What, what are you calling? I'm like, no, when you put it on your social media platforms, man, that is promoting that stuff. That's like, like I, when we, it was a hot subject at the time, I said, that's like me putting a photo or a link to the book to purchase Mein Kampf. Right. That that's that's the equivalent to me doing something like that. Kyrie Irving has to understand that. But Kyrie Irving was suspended. He went through all of that. He got reprimanded and then he came back and is having an all star caliber season. So with that being said, you can't really trust Kyrie Irving. All of the things that he has brought to every single franchise that he's played for. Yes, he's been putting up good numbers. Yes, we, he's he's a great guard. But. You also cannot trust the dude. You know, Kyrie Irving played for the Brooklyn Nets for four seasons. You know how many games he played for the Brooklyn Nets? Or how many games him and Kevin Durant played with each other? 74. 74 over the course of four seasons. 28 games between KD, Kyrie, and James Harden. This whole Brooklyn Nets experiment has been a complete disaster. And just when you thought, hey, the Brooklyn Nets are the number two seed. KD's playing well. Kyrie Irving's also playing well. The Nets might actually have some life here. Yes, they got rid of their coach and Steve Nash. I felt like Steve Nash might have been the scapegoat. He certainly didn't have the respect of the locker room. Then they bring in Jacques Vaughn. Jacques Vaughn is a great coach. But they respect Jacques Vaughn. They started to win some ball games. Ben Simmons had his moments here and there. And you're like, okay, hold on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The Brooklyn Nets might be onto something. And then Kyrie Irving came to the Brooklyn Nets organization and said, I need more money. Again, J.G. Wentworth commercial, it's my money and I need it now. Kyrie Irving said that to Joe Sy and the whole front office of the Brooklyn Nets. And Joe Sy was like, well, how about let's reevaluate this. Uh, let's reevaluate this situation at the end of the summer. You lead us deep in the playoffs. We'll see what you and, the, and Kevin Durant can do in the postseason, and then we'll have this discussion right before you're about to become a free agent, okay? And Kyrie Irving was like, no, I need my money right now. And he said, and Josiah was like, well, no, we're not giving you this money right now. And Kyrie Irving said, okay, fine, trade me. I want to go to the Los Angeles Lakers. Many reports out there are saying that Kyrie wanted to be traded to the Lakers, and Josiah was like, we're going to trade you to anywhere but L.A. 
And then that's he got LeBron James in his feels now. He tweets, maybe it's me. Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the reason why people don't want to make deals. I mean, you're the Lakers, man. Of course people don't want to make deals with you and make you better. Also, what do you have to offer if you're the Lakers for Kyrie? Oh, we'll give you Russell Westbrook and maybe a couple of second rounders. No, they don't want that. They want players that they can trust. And that's why the Dallas Mavericks gave him Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith. Oh, and they also got three first-round draft picks out of the deal. The Dallas Mavericks, they just had more to offer than the Los Angeles Lakers. And the Dallas Mavericks really have made a big move. This could be really good for them or just absolutely terrible. And we've seen in the previous two spots from Kyrie Irving that it does not end well for the team that acquires him. So tread lightly, Dallas Mavericks. What do you make of the Kyrie Irving trade? Call in at 719-1490, 719-1490. Let's quickly go to Mark. Mark, appreciate you. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, well, what do I think about it? God dang it, but you already blew it. I mean, I, I had the perfect things to dog on you, but it was like the next thing you're going to be talking about is Ben Simmons, and then we're going to talk about LeBron. And it's going to be really bad after Sunday when football isn't on and all we got is just basketball. Because, guys, it's just not interesting. They cry. They complain. LeBron is the biggest. My, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's just a scam. You, you've got people like everybody, Shaquille O'Neal, the greatest ever. He was just bigger than everybody. The guy couldn't even shoot the ball from 10 feet away, you know. And then we got Ben Simmons. God dang, it's just Mr. Street Clothes, him too. Anthony Davis. They get the money. Basketball is, excuse me, people, pathetic. Hey, Dustin, love you. Later, buddy. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate you. And I appreciate you for keeping it FCC appropriate. I was like, oh, man, the way he's going after LeBron and Kyrie, I'm waiting for for him to say something where we got to use the dump button. But appreciate you, Mark, for always keeping FCC appropriate. Um, again, Kyrie Irving, it's a weird situation. Uh, but we'll, let's see what happens with the Dallas Mavericks. Luka and Kyrie, that's going to be one interesting duo. All right, coming up next, uh, we're going to close out our number one. Uh, we're still talking some basketball. We're going to talk Arizona basketball at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. But coming up next, still more NBA. John Morant and his friends acting like knuckleheads. Find out coming up next. All right, we're closing out hour number one of Spears and Ali here on ESPN Radio. And, you know, I, we were just talking about the whole Kyrie Irving trade. High risk, high reward for the Dallas Mavericks. It could work out great for them. They could make a run in the postseason. We could see Luka and Kyrie and, you know, the other pieces. They I know they have Christian Wood there at center. Uh, of course, Josh Green, uh, for, uh, former Arizona Wildcat, is there as well. And they have interesting pieces now are they an NBA finals caliber team we'll find out I mean two ball dominant guards like Luca and Kyrie should be interesting to see how they match up Um, but another NBA headline that happened this past weekend uh, so according to the athletic um, members of John Morant's friends approached the traveling party of the Indiana Pacers and they approached them in a slow-moving 
SUV, and a laser was coming out of the car and into the area where the travel party was. And so they were fearful of their life because one of the security guards who's helping out the Indiana Pacers says, that's a gun. That is, that's a gun. And now the NBA is obviously investigating it. They're looking into it. But it was members of John Morant's friend group. And this is the part that's just so disappointing because since when did John Morant become about that life? Never has John Morant ever really had a reputation around the NBA as really being that guy. So you're either surrounding yourselves with the wrong people if you're John Morant, or number two, man, you're really trying so hard to act hard and trying to, I guess, have this like super macho, no one can mess with me, I'm super street. You you shouldn't even have that mindset if you're making that much money. People, and I agree with Shannon Sharp with what he said today, you know, people in those situations, would love to have the situation that John Moran is in, making that much money, playing basketball, and here you are trying to act like a thug. When it's all said and done, he try to act like a thug. Or people in his group are acting like thugs. And if that's the case, then John Moran doesn't need to be surrounding himself with people like that. And you know, what's so crazy is like between this whole John Moran situation with Dylan Brooks, with everything that's been going on with the Memphis Grizzlies this season – I've heard so much talking, so much drama from this franchise, and I look at their playoff resume over the last uh, couple of years. Oh, they went to the second round last year. They uh, got a gentleman's sweep the year before that against the Utah Jazz, and they missed the playoffs three seasons prior to that. So a whole lot of drama for a franchise that hasn't won squat. I'm tired of the Memphis Grizzlies, to be honest with you. Hour number two, coming up next, we're going to talk Arizona basketball and their big weekend. More Spears and Ollie coming up next here on ESPN Radio.